So, welcome to the 8th episode of The Swedish Winger. I'm your host, Lars. And this episode, I will dedicate most of it to uh, the towering behemoth, Lord Elmer Söderblom, who has signed his uh, ELC with the, the Detroit Red Wings. And um, I guess we're all looking forward to see what we have here, if he's going to um, make a mark straight off the bat and make the team. Or if he'll end up in the AHL and Grand Rapid Griffins. So Elmer is a player from Hovås, a small village uh, southwest of Gothenburg. And he started playing hockey in Hovås HC, uh, the local team there. And he started playing with uh, Frölunda at the age of 13 with the uh, Frölunda HC. U16 Team 2. But we'll come back to his uh, hockey playing career or his early career uh, later in the in the uh, episode. So let's start with with Elmer's parents. His father is called Martin Söderblom. He was a hockey player, but he never played above Division 1, which would be the Division below Hockey Allsvenskan. And the Swedish first division, or Division 1, it's split into uh, regions, so you play like in the Division South, Southwest, or Southeast. Either way, that was where Elmer's father played. Elmer's mother, Susanne Ritterdal Söderblom, is m- most known in Sweden for her not once, but twice participations in the... Uh, oh, in the US it's called Survivor. In Sweden it's called Expedition Robinson. Where she participated in 1998 and 2012. Elmer has an older brother named Arvid. He's uh, born in 99, uh, 22 years old. He's also uh, way smaller than, than Elmer is, but... He has managed to get himself to the NHL as well in the um, despicable organization known as the Chicago Blackhawks. I was actually screaming for Detroit to draft him in the 2020 draft uh, when they um, drafted back in and picked Kieran Draper as the last pick because that was the last year of eligibility for for Arvid. He ended up signing for... uh, Chicago that offseason. Arvid actually got to play a couple of games for the Chicago Blackhawks uh, last season. Three games with 0.863 save percentage. The first game he did was very good, but he also got to play when Chicago was at their worst. So I, I wouldn't read too much into that. I would say his AHL stats are way more impressive with 38 games with a goal against average of uh, 2.76 and a save percentage of 0.919 and uh, five playoff games with 0.925. So he's a talented goalie for sure. Just to underscore how competitive this family is, they have a younger sister named Viera Söderblom and she actually made the... uh, Ladies U20 basketball team for the Nordic Championships that 
around this summer. All the information I'm using in this episode, considering uh, regarding Elmer, is um, by scouring newspapers and and uh, webbies about uh, Elmer and Frialanda. Another another interesting um, thing seems to be that he's um, he seems quite stubborn, and um, as his mother says in one of the interviews, is that he just puts his mind to doing something and he learns uh, by practicing really hard. So he has learned to use a unicycle and he has apparently learned to play the guitar after getting a guitar from his grandmother. In the backyard, they have this shooting setup where I'm guessing Arvid was the goalie and Elmer was the trigger man. And they have... um, killed at least five goals over time shooting in their backyard. But in the article it becomes very clear that this is a very competitive family where everybody needs to win. Elmer states that his mother is the worst, that she just has to win, and that he has tried playing one-on-one with his sister in basketball, but she's so much better at shooting than him, so she wins. I find the part with the music quite interesting, though, that apparently his grandmother is uh, very musical, plays different instruments, and did he? she wanted that Elmer w- would also be able to play something, so he learned the guitar. He says he's equally stubborn with uh, learning how to play music as he is uh, excelling in ice hockey. So it seems like that's his forte, his his willingness to work hard at something. Looking at Elmer's like uh, playing career so far, he's he's always been the scorer type player. Uh, he has amazing dangles uh, up on YouTube if you want to le- look at some highlights. But he seems to be more of a trigger man than a passer. Although he's been working on his passing these past two seasons, I would say. And the big knock on him has always been his skating. But I consider his skating way better now than when he was drafted. He's actually looking quite decent now. He'll never be fleet of foot. So he should probably never be this guy who stands still on the ice because he needs to be moving at all times so he can use his quite powerful acceleration when he's actually already uh, skating. So once he has his speed up, he's not slow at all, but he's not fast getting off from, from standstill. And his stick handling is the thing that everybody's been talking about pretty much since he was drafted. And especially after the between the leg goals in in the, the World Juniors, he's actually always been a scorer. If you look at his stats on Elite Prospects or wherever you look, uh, his family actually called him the mailman because he always delivered. Uh, I think that's Carl Malone's old basketball moniker. I think I would say that his big breakthrough came. Well, in the 1819 season, he had um, 
17 points in 44 games, and he scored four goals in six playoff games that season. And that's, uh, he was doing well. I mean, the first time I saw him play was in the um, U17 Swedish team. I saw him there before I saw him ever play for Frölunda, and that was in the uh, 17-18 season. So that's one season before that. So the 18-19 season was where I started to, to tweet a lot about Elmer Söderblom and I uh, invented the whole Prophet of the Towering Behemoth stuff just for kicks. But it was the uh, the season after the 1920 season it really took off because in, uh, in 36 games in the U20 leagues, uh, J20 league, Super Elite, uh, in 36 games, he had 29 goals and 26 assists for for 55 points. And he actually got to play in the SHL then. Only 10 games and very little ice time, but he actually got the chance, which was pretty much by the time the hype was starting to build on on Red Wings Twitter about about this big dude from, from, from Sweden and Frialunda, who we picked in the sixth round. The the season after that, the um, the twenty twenty one season, was a frustrating one because he got the um, the Frölunda young guy treatment. He um, agrees in a way that he himself, in the articles, was not responsible enough as a player that he was he was not defensively sound at the time. But he played 28 games and um, he had three goals and two assists for five points. But those games, if you look at time on ice, he didn't have much time on ice. I think he was sub 10 minutes a game if you look at the whole season. Closing in on the end of the season, he, he was doing better and was playing more. So it increased over time, which is the kind of development you want to see in a guy. Which brings us to this season, where he played 52 games and scored 21 assists for 12 points and 12 assists for 33 points. And that's actually like some of the best seasons we've seen from a from a 20-year-old in the SHL or uh, sub-22-year-old at least. I mean, there are some huge names on that list. It's uh, Marcus Naslund and Peter Forsberg type names. The Sedins. I think Elias Pettersson also. He did get to play a couple of uh, games for the senior men's team, Tre Kroner. But I think that's the perfect way to look at Elmer Söderblom and how he cannot succeed is how they deployed him for Sweden in a fourth-line grinding role with players who didn't have a creative bone in their body. For Elmer to work, for Elmer to be Elmer to be effective, he needs a playmaker, someone who can feed him the puck, because he can finish. He has the offensive instincts for when to shoot and when to dangle, but he needs a good playmaker. In, in Friolanda, it was Ryan Lash, who's one of the best 
North Americans to ever play in the SHL. But if you deploy him in a fourth line, line role, he's pointless. There's no meaning. I think he should start when he ever gets to the NHL. I think he should start in some kind of a sheltered third line role and hope he can work himself up into the second uh, line. I think that's as an observer, as a fan, it's quite annoying to watch them deploy him as, I mean, he's a big guy, so he has to be a banger in the fourth line when that's not the style he is. So when I saw him in, in the Swedish national team, it felt like the, uh, the staff on the national team hadn't watched him as, at all, didn't know what type player he was. But I'm also not going to sit here and say that I know more about hockey than than the Swedish national team staff. So, But it's frustrating as a fan to watch that, uh, knowing what he can do. And if you watch a guy f- for enough time, you know exactly like what, what seems to work. Another knock on Elmer besides his skating has been the relative lack of physicality from a guy the size of of a behemoth. I mean, he's 6'8 and um, 249 pounds at the moment, but he doesn't go around killing people. And this is just speculation on my part, but when you're that big, you kind of learn to take it easy with your opponents, and that's something he has to unlearn. I mean... If he goes full full bore into someone when he was playing junior, when he was way bigger than everybody else, I mean, he could properly hurt someone. And I think this past season, you could see more and more physicality from Elmer. He was not as careful going into uh, physical situations. He didn't look out of place in scrums or whatever. And he actually got a few decent checks in. And I can't really wait for the uh, the camps to start to see what he can do in um, Traverse City and, and the camps. Because I think there is a chance that he can make the NHL team. I'm not saying it's it's a huge shot. I'd, I would put it at maybe... 15, 20% that he makes the team, which I consider that's very high. But we're talking about a guy who is so unique with the skill set he has and the size he has. And he's not like a first year post draft guy like Lucas Raymond that came in and kicked the door in. He has a couple of seasons in the SHL where he has produced against professionals, against men. And he has a couple of national team games in his baggage. He should be able to to play with the big guys. But we'll see. It might be best for his own development to play in the Grand Rapids uh, Griffins. But it would be absolutely awesome to see him at least get the nine games in. Going forward, I think if he ends up in the AHL, it's going to be for the one year. And then it's going to be the NHL, which is, I mean, it's amazing that 
that we have like this sixth rounder that looked like a, a lanky, stringy kind of guy actually making it all the way. For me personally, it's awesome. It's so much fun having like put so many eggs in the basket of Elmer Söderblom over the years. I mean, I started pre-draft saying that we should draft this kid. I was going on about him in in the Winged Wheel podcast live draft where I was talking about that we should we should definitely draft Elmer Söderblom. So sitting here now with him signing a contract, it's so much fun. Uh, I I can't take any credit for it. Of course, it's not like I'm a I'm a pro scout in any way, shape, or form. But it's it's so much fun, and the reaction on on Twitter was also kind of fun, where everybody was tagging me when Elmer was signing his contract. I usually don't have like that many notifications on Twitter. But when Elmer signed his contract, I was like, what the hell is going on? Because I wasn't at home. I left my house for like a couple of hours and Elmer signed his contract, which was kind of frustrating as well. But still, what an awesome day. But that's all I have for for Elmer Sedlum for this episode. But he'll come back. It's not like I'm going to stop following Elmer now that he's signed his contract. I think if anything, I'll ramp up the Elmer content if if there's any reason for it. So now I'm I'm thinking about the uh the um Detroit Red Wings head coaching search. Uh and that's about impossible to make a proper read on. I think the only read we can have is that there is none. There is no read. We're we're going into this blind and it's all speculation and bullshit, which is perfect when you make a podcast because podcasts are all speculations and bullshit. But with Cassidy off the board and Tortorella off the board, we still have trots floating about out there. But I really do think he'll end up in the Winnipeg Jets. It feels like more of a destination for him going home, if you will, to the Winnipeg Jets. A team that should be so much better than they are, rather than going to Detroit, trying to make something out of a team on its way up, but that is still missing a lot of very important pieces, Elmer or not. So who are we getting? I think Pete DeBoer will probably end up in Dallas. Paul Maurice is like he's fallen off the earth. And Jim Montgomery is a guy you don't really hear that much about either. I think the interesting part about Barry Trotz is that there's a rumor he wants to get into management. And... I'm not entirely sure if San Jose has gotten them to themselves uh, a GM yet, but I think that would be an interesting gig for a guy like Bertrand to GM the the San Jose Sharks and hire their their new coach, if you will. I think it was Jeff Merrick who floated um, Mark Savard as a potential coach for for Detroit, but. 
Same with Barry going home to Winnipeg when Mark uh, Savard would be, wouldn't he be the perfect guy for Boston? I'm not sure. If Mark Savard signed for Detroit, though, I'm, I'm worried about whatever discussion, but discussions Brad Crisco of the, um, the Wingwheel podcast will have with Mark Savard if he ever could about tape jobs. I think that would be like, uh, an entire spin-off of the Wing Wheel podcast, if if they ever got their hands on Brad, Brad and and Mark in the same room. But back to the Detroit coaching search, it's so hard to figure out where where Steve is going because everybody's saying his cast is wide net and he's looking pretty much everywhere for the right guy, which I appreciate. I think it's great that he's. He's turning every stone, but um, the safe bet right now is probably someone from the Tampa Bay organization. No idea which one of the the two candidates that would be in eventually, but the more fun speculation are naturally the the Euro route with uh, uh, Chris Abbott possibly... uh, Richard Grönbori or Jukka Jalonen. But that's all, it's all speculation anyway, because we know so little. But I think it could be cool. But at the moment, I'm so, I wouldn't say frustrated. I'm so, like, whatever Steve Eisenman wants, I'm happy with whatever. Torts is off the board, so I can't be angry about old man hockey. My only gripe with Trotz is that he plays boring ice hockey, even though some stats say that he has a lot of high ch- high danger chances with his with his teams. It's not fun to watch them play, but right now, whatever Iceman gets, I'll I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. The play, the coach that is, I was happy with Blashill. I was really happy when Blashill signed. I was like, yeah, young young guy. He's, he has a winning pedigree from the Grand Rapids. And yeah, sure, why not? And then he's like Mike Babcock 2.0, hockey-wise, not personality-wise, even though he has his voice down to a teeth. It's like, if you shut your eyes and just listen, Blashill sounds exactly like Babcock, he has the same cadence in his voice and everything, which is kind of freaky. And they they definitely have the same boring brand of ice hockey. But like I said, at this point, I'm happy with whatever Iceman picks because they will be thoroughly vetted and they will probably be exactly what Steve Iceman wants. So, yeah, fine. I think... um, Looking at prospects for the upcoming draft and and uh, those things are more fulfilling at the moment than speculating about Steve Eisenman's coaching decisions because that's that that'll make your brain melt eventually. So that's what I had for my eighth episode. I'll try to be more frequent now that my vacation has started. I work as a teacher. I teach history, religion, and social science. So the end of the school year was just the other 
week, which means grading papers and everything has been like my past month's work. So recording this has been the put a bit on the back burner. I'll try to get some more content out there uh, during this summer uh, when we get our coach sorted, when we close in on the draft and everything about that. Uh, And until then, I'll catch you later.